All right. Hello, listener. Uh, I've been... This is me, Kieran. I'm here with Darcy. Hello, listener. It's been too long. In a in a in a in a in a very normal turn of events, I've spent the last few days uh, reading about bad you and listening to lectures about bad you. So I've crawled up my own ass, and I'm ready to uh, position us in the outer place of unpopular podcasts in order to, uh, in an effort of of self determination, rail against the splice of established podcasts which in their opposition to the uh bourgeois uh 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 arrangement of things are of course an intrinsic part of that apparatus welcome to weakness for bleakness kieran you didn't warn me about any of this what the fuck are you talking about explain it to me during the song I, th- I thought it was going to be much shorter, uh, to be honest. I thought it was going to be a two-second bit, and then I realized, like, everything to do with these... lost and confused. Hey, me too. Play the song, play the song. A modest house, a picket fence, a couple kids, some common sense, a job to pay your mortgage or your rent. And all these goals are understood, but misery is a public good, so come and feed your sorrows till you spend. Well, just to come, the captain said, the icebergs only dead ahead. The men will keep the engines fed. I have a deal with God. We're at the end of history. There ain't a hope for you or me. When work is philanthropically, believe in the economy. But what a feast for tired eyes. The poison earth, the boiling skies. And everyone their own damn spies. Remember when the world was wise. We no, 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 no. All right. The song is played. And your explanation oh. made still no sense. If anything, I'm more confused and angry than I was before. But that's okay. We'll, we'll, we should, we'll launch into the program, mm. and I'm sure it will become mm. clear to me as we, our dialogue uh, continues. The only thing you really have to remember, per Alain Badiou in the 60s, is that the Cultural Revolution is unequivocally a good thing. <laughs> yes. And, and he will never come to regret that positioning. That is true. What could be more helpful than the <clears throat> death of society becoming a popular way of living? Mm. Uh, uh, right. The, Individuals well, forever, I some, say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, let's talk about some, some, some general shit before we get into our so-called topics. Yeah, let's, let's talk about some things, some of the silver linings uh, in the field of bleakness. Uh, yeah which we've been enjoying over the past couple of weeks. Do you want to, do you want to start Kieran with a, with a bit? Uh, uh, do I have, I'm trying to think if I have any silver linings or was that a lead into what we were that just That was a lead into the plan about? that we had Kieran. That was an easy, well, it was a very, was a very to be fair, it was a in. very ramshackle plan. Uh, Xavier College. It's <laughs> a very ramshackle plan. We only came up with 15 seconds ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Xavier College. Xavier College is selling Costco Hall. Yeah, which I junior school. I'd never actually seen a proper picture of before. It's a very beautiful. Uh, it's a very beautiful bit of real estate. That it's all very beautiful. It's not as nice as the estate. one in Kew that has the chapel that's always floodlit, so that you can always see how rich and powerful Xavier is, even at two it's o'clock a very, in the morning. <laughs> it's a very fucking but yeah, imposing. A very nice uh, chapel, Xavier. <laughs> Yeah. I'm enjoying the Christian humility surrounding it <laughs> very much. <laughs> As Francis um, Xavier said, if you've got it, flaunt it. <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The the core principle of, of Jesuit spirituality. <laughs> <clears throat> but they've they've like, priced themselves out of um of primary school education. 
Uh, yeah. And in an attempt to stare down the market and play chicken with their customer base, they've just destroyed their whole division of primary school learning. Uh, it's Instead of uh, lowering the price. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, so Costco Hall, I'm trying to figure out what they've been doing since I went to that fucking cursed place. Uh, oh, were you there all the way from the beginning? <clears throat> yeah, but I wasn't at Costco Hall. I was at Burke Hall. Right. Which was year five to year eight. As I was going to say, Costco Hall looks very bright and sunlit. I can't really imagine you in such an environment. Uh, Burke Hall definitely has a bit of austerity uh, uh, to it. Uh, Murray went to Costco Hall. That's the difference. You can see see the difference in her. He does look much more at ease in the sunlight. That is certainly true. That's, that's very true. Uh, he's he's not uncomfortable with his skin. He's socially well developed. He didn't develop a complete bundle of uh, devastating anxiety disorders by the time he was fifteen years old. Uh, Consequently, he has no interest in academia whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't feel the need to to dissolve his brain in a fucking deeply acidic concoction of texts to try and explain what the fuck is going on with him. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So, so uh, Xavier introduced younger, early learning when I was, I guess, at the senior school which they did at Burke Hall as well. So they had like prep in grade one or something. And then kids had to fuck off to some other school, uh, the boys for a few years, the girls permanently. Uh, and then I don't know how that's developed in the intervening years. Oh, Darcy, your mic's gone. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I don't know what the fuck's going on with their their younger students in the intervening time, but but uh, enlighten me. What's this about their pricing themselves out of? I know they're selling the campus. I don't know this. Well, they're selling story. the campus because they didn't have uh, they didn't have enough custom. People weren't enrolling. Interesting. And the reason people weren't enrolling is because it was too expensive. Well, it is uh, fucking expensive. It's, it did. <laughs> it's fucking expensive. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Uh, blessed are the private educators, for they shall inherit the earth. Mm. Um, and rather than restructure things so that they could provide a still, you know, exclusive but more affordable service, they've just said, no, fuck it. Fuck you. You don't get a primary school experience from us anymore. We're selling it. <laughs> Interesting. All right, so, yeah. <clears throat> so all of their primary school shit, uh, was located at Costco, is that, or they're just ending it? And because I know they're rolling Costco into Burkhall. Well, I know that the kinder, um, and you know, prep and so forth was exclusively at Costco. I don't know exactly where the um, it wasn't came when it in. started. I believe you were you were you were discussing it when I was having technical difficulties before. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It started at uh, Burkhall. It started at Burkhall? Yeah. Well, it's entirely possible that domain.com was incorrect, of course. 
I mean, I find real that hard estate to journalists believe. are pretty thick. I remember <clears> once <throat> reading an article where they were sort of breathlessly explaining how semi-detachment worked, and I found myself deeply disturbed by the experience. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it's not complex. I think people generally get it, you know. It's a shared wall. doesn't need an article. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the site needs articles. Yeah, yeah, the work. site does because it was the Fairfax Media's only only um, asset <laughs> at the time. Yeah, everything else was yep. a liability. Mm. And um, but yes, that was that was the the takeaway from the article was essentially that Xavier decided it wasn't economic to keep running this facility because the uptake was far too low. Well, yeah, and I mean, so they decided to. But you you say that this was a plan to consolidate things anyway. Well, I mean, that's certainly how they're framing it. The email that I got from them, <laughs> they still send me emails. Are you still, still on the, on the old boys uh, list? <clears throat> I don't know how they got my fucking, my email, to be honest. <laughs> I it would, I bet it was Murray. I bet it was. He was, he was worrying about you. He thought, I better make sure Kieran gets these. Yeah. I don't yeah. want him losing, losing touch with his roots. <laughs> he does worry. He does worry about me. <laughs> my slide, my slide away from the <laughs> sliding fucking... into the gutter. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it's not surprising that uh, it's too fucking expensive for people. What was always dumb about it from the start was uh, co-ed primary school and then not co-ed secondary school. So it was always they were they were the plan was to have education up to year 4 co-ed and then 5 become single sex. And I just don't know how many parents would send their little girl to a boys school for the 4 years that they're allowed to be there and then be like, "Sorry, you're not allowed to keep going with all your friends." We've I wasn't got to find a new place the, uh... for you. I wasn't aware that was the situation. That sounds quite fucking mad. Cause and because the junior campuses start at year five, they would have to find a different primary school for the last two years of primary school and then a secondary school. And if you're sending, if, if you're a family that does this private education all the way from cradle to grave, as it were, yeah. then you would just enroll your children in a dedicated unisex school or you'd find her a dedicated girl school. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. It does sound quite crackers. I wonder it's if part of Xavier's problem might not be that they missed the co-education wave that happened in the 90s. Yeah, well, I mean, the, uh, I'm sure this has always been the irony of the, Je- of the of the Xavier thing is I bet you that the Jesuits uh, were quite into the idea of co-ed schools, uh, schooling. Like, because there's this contradiction within Xavier that there's like still quite a strong core of Jesuits who are like, uh, let's not talk about Francis Xavier because uh, he was a cunt and an imperialist. And uh, let's sort of respect people. And then a bunch of like business minded conservative uh, leadership as well who are who are like, no, 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 no. We can't have fannies in the school. <laughs> It'll be distracting to the lads. It's true. It's very difficult to play rugby if there's a woman or even girl within a kilometre of you. Mm-hmm. Historically, it's never actually been done. Yeah. No one's finished a game of rugby outside of Saudi Arabia in centuries. 
Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's a weird place. And why the Saudis are such a world-beating team, by the way. New Zealand can't get close to them. <laughs> yeah, just, of course, notorious, just notorious. Destroyed by gender equality. Mm. It's a rut, Darcy. It's a rut that gets into society. If we decide somehow uh, that the category of human takes primacy over the subcategory of, uh, <laughs> of fucking whalebone corsets versus uh, badger penis bone uh, tie clips, yeah, 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 yep, 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 exactly right. <laughs> and yes, listener, those were popular uh, accoutrements until quite recently, historically, until the thirties, I think. Yeah. Um, it would be uh, like- but the reason I brought this, I was not just specifically just to make fun of Xavier, although that is always an enjoyable afternoon. Yeah. It's this. It's it's actually a question of um, future economies and the private school sector generally. Right. So millennials, mm-hmm. we and the Zoomers that come after us are going to have much less money to spend on our children's educations yep. than boomers and exes have had. Well, less um, everything as well. Fewer have children had less than boomers. Well. So I don't want to throw them right all in the same boat. Sorry, yeah, mate, yeah. what was that? Well, we're going to have fewer children as well. As we're going to have fewer money. children. So that is true. Compounded. But either way, yes. Yeah, so on both levels, the private sector in Australia may die of, uh, as it were, natural causes rather than policy reform. Mm. Or at least suffer, because it's a huge sector in Australia compared to the rest of the world. Yeah. Um, do you think that this might lead to policy changes, cultural changes that favour public education over private education as we as we move into the future? Maybe eventually. I don't. I don't think I've seen any evidence that uh, the the governance of this country generally is willing to step out from behind the veil of uh, debunked uh, late 20th century economic ideology. I think that Frydenberg saying that he admires Thatcher and Reagan and saying that the left are just envious of their success, I think that that's uh, an indication that nothing is going to happen. Yeah, that was a fascinating use of the word envy, wasn't it? <clears throat> really the, fascinating uh, use the word envy. Like they just cross because these two people destroyed everything that they cared about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Destroyed their communities and and their future and their livelihoods. Um, Josh Frydenberg is such a like fucking um, smart passing fuckwit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a total boob. But he's he's able to because of his training at, at private school, he's able to uh to pass as as smart. So yeah, I think that the the dramatic irony which I find quite sweet and which of course I'm able to identify owing to my education in classics uh at a private school is that the private schools will eventually be killed by the economic policy of their graduates. Uh, who, due to the shitty education that they received at private schools, were not able to develop the critical analytical skills necessary to avert disaster. So I think there's like I a, hope so. there's a I'm sweet also, circularity there that is quite quite sort of you know. I'm kind of hopeful as well. The side effect of the private school boom of the '90s, mm. and I guess the noughts as well, really, is that um, for the first time, really, 
a large section of the population who were not traditionally part of the professional and ruling class went to private school mm. and saw that it was basically a fundamentally irrelevant modification of the public school. Yeah. It's just an example of what a school can look like if it has more money put into it, basically. Yeah. And that yeah. hopefully, therefore, we will be, as a generation, not just like less financially able to enjoy sending our children to private school, but less likely to think that it's a valuable use of money. Yeah, exactly. And like the the, the cultural mood of the time is, is inequality and private schools and all of the money going to private schools is such like an obvious foregrounded example of, of willfully stratifying society that I think, yeah, a lot of us just don't buy into it. I love the people who say that it's important that we don't like flood the state sector with students if private schools, <laughs> if we were to get rid of private schools, um, as if it would change the overall like funding model in any way, because yeah. we fund them both to the same level, <laughs> which is just flabbergast- flabbergastery. And what's I, can't, the... I can't believe that people are okay with that. If If private schools collapse... And people are worried about that's uh, that. Uh, sorry, that blows my mind. It's so dumb on so many different registers. But it's one of the things that Australians have been trained to accept is there has to be better services available for some people in society who deserve yeah. better services. Because if they aren't, and everyone has to use the shit services that are for the scum, that's you, the rest of the country, yeah. but then there won't yeah. be enough shit services, and so everyone will just have no services. As yeah. opposed to, if everyone's children go through the same system, then the system will be better for everybody, mm. which is the obvious logical outcome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. It's frustrating. It's it's dumb. It's 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 uh it's good to see uh the first nails in the coffin though. If this is a sort of uh, pre tremor, but shall we move swiftly on before we get too bogged down in this this minor? Yeah, uh, I'm looking at pictures of Eric Andre has photoshopped his face onto Alan DeGeneres's head. Yeah, yeah, and um, it fits disturbingly well. It's very <clears> odd. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's completely believable. Fear and confusion. Well, I think it might have been the the creators of that petition that did that Photoshop. Uh, no, that was Eric. That was Eric that did the it Photoshop. Been, it was shared by him, not uh, by okay, all not right, by they, but by he. All right, I take it back. Well, well, what the fuck are we talking about here, Darcy? You wanna you wanna well, call the listener in? Um, after getting away with being a terrible comedian for many many years. Alan DeGeneres may not be able to get away with being a terrible human. Finally. It looks as though, weirdly, um, it requires now in, in like elite entertainment circles, you have to not only be fucking awful at what you do and a terrible human being, but you have to insist upon both of them to such an amazing degree uh, that it appears to be impossible to be accidentally found out. Yet, mm. this the 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 horde of mediocrities determined to be found out does not dwindle. And Ellen DeGeneres is the most recent member of it. She's been a bully. She's been a nasty bully. Yep. And because she had 
I think unwisely for somebody who might be a sadist and is definitely a narcissist (laughs) (laughs) to build their entire like financial base on the idea that they are a particularly kind person (laughs) Um, and it's all come tumbling out i think it says something about american consumer culture at the moment that Mm. somebody whose position was basically i'm not funny or interesting but i will be nice i promise i'll be nice for a whole hour tells you something about how beaten down and fucked they are as a, as a general public. Yeah, uh, yeah. That I you don't... can become a, 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 a wealthy, not even wealthy, an obscenely rich uh, performer. 70 million American dollars, I think, a year she's worth at the moment coming in just yeah, by being yeah. unconvincingly nice. There's something that changed, and I'm not sure when it changed. I guess we can say somewhere in the 90s, maybe. But, like... Back in the day, if you were, say, take Bob Saget and uh, Full House, is it, that Bob Saget was on? I don't know. I have to show my ignorance, Kieran. I'll have a look on uh, the internet while you do your thought. So so he gets the job uh, as the father in in this show, which I think was Full House. It's my general... Yeah, he was on Full House. Yeah, you are correct. Okay. Uh, so he gets the father role in this show, and he plays a very sort of gentle and kind, kind of wry person, providing uh, you know light laughs for for the American populace. But then, oh uh, yeah, I can see his face. He's de- yeah. he's he's got a very strong turn to camera face. Yeah, but then when the when the show stops rolling and he goes back to his stand up career and he's telling the filthiest version of the aristocrats joke that you've ever heard, like he's able to switch back to his normal mode, which was like an incredibly filthy, gross out comedian. Right. Yeah. So he's, he's an actor, what you might call an actor. He acts as a role, but at some point it feels like you'll be generally aware of somebody. And then they'll be like, Oh, I got this role, uh, doing this thing. And then the person that they were just fucking dissolves. Uh, and they just become this new fucking production of somebody that resembles them physically, but doesn't really have any of their actual personality. And I think that's what's happened with Ellen. She's just been living in a fucking, in a, in a weird skin suit made out of her own skin, (laughs) which is a completely redundant medical procedure. Uh, of course she, of course, you know, her fucking psycho tendencies, rose to the fore who could live like that yeah this is fair this is fair um i think you uh possibly you hit the nail on the head with this is essentially a kind of kayfabe conundrum isn't it yeah yeah yep yep um at what point does it become essentially what what point does your private life become Mm. a factor in your career if your career is built on pretending to be an actual human being? Yeah. It's a very good question. And when, when private lives already have to be packaged and commercialized, so there's not, you're not allowed to have a rift there, you know? Ah, yes. Um, Sorry. Uh, Her brand. Yeah. Yeah. She hasn't been consistent to her brand. Yeah. So pretty soon you, it, 
you know, it comes out and you're Jimmy Snooker and you're standing in the cool night air by the side of the road pretending that you don't speak English so that a cop won't arrest you for murdering a prostitute. Like, this is the shit that happens. This is the problem. Don't arrest people for murdering prostitutes. (laughs) Well, they didn't arrest him, so... You, you just have to you have you have to um, compensate the policeman who, who whose um, patch it was because for, for the cut he was taking off her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if that I don't recall actually if that was Jimmy Snooker or a different pro wrestler, but uh, I don't want to get my my. Uh, it could have been many of them. Let's be perfectly honest. It could yeah. have been a great many of them indeed. Well, it was Especially somebody pretending to be a foreigner. Days. Yeah. Ah, well, I mean, that was also many of them. Yeah. In the bad old days, most of the foreigner characters were played by, like, guys from California and Missouri, weren't they? Yeah, 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 basically. And they were like, oh, well, my grandfather was black, so obviously I have to play an Iraqi mass murderer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Faint trace of melanin that lingers <laughs> in my skin. Yeah, it's representative of the... Uh, evil nature. So it's so weird that the, the, the McMahons should be behind Donald Trump so enthusiastically. Oh yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It's a real it's a classic it's a classic didn't see it coming um, wrestling plot twist a, he- a face heel turn if you will. Yeah yeah. Who would have thought that the people whose whose uh, platonic conception of, of <laughs> upright goodness was Hulk fucking Hogan. <laughs> bronzed with fucking feral Florida blonde hair his stupid mustache being like drink your milk what are you gonna do brother when the flabby orange arms of fascism (laughs) are wild on you yeah I will ground my fucking hips to powder brother Grind, not ground. I fucked it up. And also I had to cough. I cut myself short. That's okay. That's what his first take sounded like in rehearsal. I'm sure. Yeah, probably. The, by the time, especially by the time he was Hollywood Hulk Hogan, the state that man's vocal cords must have been in, it would have taken oh, quite yeah. a while for him to get going, I suspect. It's always interesting to see it settle in uh, so that when they're all old and they're just doing normal, like, shoot interviews or whatever, they're showing somebody around their house as, you know, Terry Belia or whatever their real name is, and they're just like, oh, yeah, here's the kitchen. This is where I make my coffee in the morning. And it's like, how could you, how is it pleasant to speak like that all the like? Obviously, you've fucked your vocal cords, and that's the only way that you can speak. But Jesus, dude. Also, why are all of your appliances broken? (laughs) Sometimes the rage just kind of comes over me. Oh, we miss Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah, Rowdy Roddy Piper and the mayhem. The mayhem, filling your soul with... the, The emptiness of your soul with chaos. Yeah. I do miss Rowdy. Uh, it's sad. Speaking uh, of Rowdy Roddy Piper, though, and sadness, how yeah. good would it be if Eric Andre was the new host <laughs> of that one? <laughs> I would love it, but I, to be honest, my first thought upon seeing the articles was panic that it would happen and that he would just get absorbed into it and he would eventually just become shit. Like 
Reggie Watts became shit when he went, went on James Corden and didn't have any time to do uh, original work. Or like Steve Colbert became shit when uh, he became a, you know, was allowed to step outside the character. Oh, and he let everyone know that he was a boring lib who was yeah. just yeah. had a, some writers. Now, I, I trust in Eric's internal chaos enough for that not to happen. But I, also... I can imagine Eric Andre taking over the show for a season and just ruling with benign neglect so that he got paid a bunch and then it didn't get recommissioned. <laughs> <laughs> if he did it for like a season, I could I could live with that. One season of the Alan DeGeneres show with just Eric Andre kind of loafing around on set and then done. Yeah. <laughs> that would be nice, I think. Relentlessly interrupting guests as they try to yeah. <laughs> pitch their new fucking scent or whatever trying to but like you know he doesn't let them actually like come onto the set because he's building an enormous dominoes picture <laughs> yeah yeah i could see that that would be fun it would be all right it would be better than like the actual alan DeGeneres show which is literally just the most boring i'm home yeah. sick television that sort of that sort of i'm homesick television's dying anyway isn't it i would have thought because people have alternatives now yeah who the fuck like i've tried to do that a couple of times when i have been homesick as like a nostalgic impulse and it's two minutes two minutes before i'm watching fucking youtube or something it's agony (laughs) yeah so it would be better with Eric Andre. Uh, that would be better than The Ellen Show. But you know what else is better than The Ellen Show? The fucking thousands of activities that I have opted Reading, to do yeah. instead of watching each individual episode of that show. Taking Reading a shit. Reading the back of a cigarette packet. Yeah. Yeah. Looking Thinking up... Thinking to yourself, uh, fuck me, are these bad? <laughs> Looking oh, up videos of old mistake. fucking Soviet audio recording equipment. More interesting. <laughs> Wasting... Looking up... Discovering old Soviet shit is actually fascinating. Well, I, that's a bad example because it's dope as hell. Uh, sure. <laughs> it's amazing that that country was... I guess like America now, actually. Like, mm. such a kind of um, cyberpunk environment. Of like, oh yeah. yeah. So we're the first nation into space and to land a probe on another planet but we can't make bread work. (laughs) (laughs) I was reading about Lysenko yesterday. We've forgotten how to do all the medieval shit, but we're quite good on on future space matters. We are excellent. (laughs) Yeah. I was reading about Lysenko, and it's like, how did this society that managed to, to... To raise its literacy rate so drastically and its life expectancy so drastically and its technologically technological development so quickly that it was able to beat the United States to space. Also, just let this dude, who totally just had a fucking reckon about genetics while every other geneticist in the world told him he was wrong. How did he become the head of agricultural development and just be like, what you've got to do is plant all of the seeds really fucking close together. Oh, yeah, that's right. And the deep. end of and spring. Really, and really deep. Yeah, yeah. Super deep, <laughs> super close chance, together. The less chance they have to live, the better the food will be. He was yeah, funny. yeah. <laughs> and now you might think... You might, you might think that uh, 
that the most sensible time to to plant these seeds is when they would naturally grow with the weather. But what you want to do is do the opposite of that and grow them, make sure they're growing in the depth of winter so that they will learn how to beat the cold and then all wheat from now on will be able to grow year round. While everybody else in the world is just like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? None of this is how it works. What's important about wheat is not how much you have, but how individually powerful the seeds are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In a completely non-nebulous system that makes yeah. perfect sense. Um, but also they had like, you know, there, there, was, there was some amazingly weird shit with Soviet science. Like they were trying to find abiotic oil, they called it, which is, in other words, oil that's not carbon-based. Yeah, yeah. Which synthetically would, developed. Some people might say is not oil. But um, mm. it's like you've got the most abundant source of oil on the planet. You Russian oil is like, mm. you know, Siberia's an untapped giant well of oil. Yeah. Why the fuck are you... Because this is before we knew that we were going to, like, cook the planet, right? Yeah, This yeah, is yeah. when people thought it was fine. It's like, why are you wasting your time trying to find an alternative to what you already have in abundance? Well, yeah. you're not getting bread right still. Yeah. Change <laughs> so, your fucking priorities, for Christ's sake. It's amazing. Yeah. Truly amazing. Uh, I think... Uh, so, was it, what, what we had... Was there another bit? I, this sort of leads into the Elon Muskery of the of the week, um, which is his hmm. dual claim that uh, we can coo wherever we want. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> which, a funny meaning, joke. A funny, yeah, a funny joke, joke about the Bolivian fascist coup and subsequent purging of the indigenous people in culture. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he was like, besides, we get our lithium from Australia. And I mm. was like, oh, that's something for us to be all very proud of. Uh, mm. <laughs> and uh, his uh, subscription to the alien astronauts theory. Oh, really? I haven't yeah. heard about this. So Elon Musk um, decided to cough up the idea that the pyramids were put there by aliens. Ah, uh, yeah. Um. Which I guess makes him a no-tep rather than a ho-tep. Very racist theory that uh, black people needed help to build stuff. When uh, the alien astronauts theory is never applied to European architectural artifacts. It's only ever stuff from the wrong part of the world where the ethnics live. Uh, And and that's, that's fine. Uh, that's something that's <laughs> never, you know, like you, you get to a bit with conspiracy theories where, you know, like obviously in the past they were funny um, mm. and, you know, like, oh, what an exotic thought. <laughs> Imagine if that were true. And now they're obviously a risk. But what, <laughs> what I can't like, what I can't wrap my head around is just how unbelievably, and this is such a, sort of, such an obvious point that it's not worth making, but I just have to sort of let it out of the bottle. I just cannot believe how fucking stupid these ideas are. Yeah. Like, it's not that they're dangerous necessarily that bothers me. Mm. It's it's the fact that they are so unbelievably, unimaginably thick. Yeah. Like, religious ideas that are mad, um, uh, you know, mm. also abound, but they're usually shielded by the respectability of centuries. And you sort of think, well, you grow up in a culture that's 
absolutely immersed mm. in this kind of religious moray. It makes complete sense that and, you don't and, necessarily and, challenge the ideas and that they're, they're bound to rub off on you in some way or other. Yeah, but and being very, be like, very generous, Darcy, also, the, the, ineffability, the ineffability of God. Like that, every theological tradition depends yeah, also, on God being unknowable. That is also true. And I understand... That that is a that is a culturally awe inspiring phenomenon, hmm. uh, and not necessarily a, a good or a bad one, right? But conspiracy hmm. theories are always bad. They're never good. Nothing has ever been improved by a conspiracy theory. They yeah. are not shielded by the centuries or by ineffability because they're mm-hmm. all pretending to be new explanations for modern crises, and yeah. they are just unapologetically thick. Yeah. You, like you, you, uh, that they and, and and you know they're thick because they have to continually generate fresh conspiracies in order to function. Yeah, which isn't how explanations work. You don't <laughs> a, a sound explanation does not have to continuously restructure reality around itself. That is the opposite of what's supposed to happen. Yeah, reality is meant to stay the same. And your explanations change as you learn more about reality. Mm. It's not supposed to be reality keeps changing so it meets your explanation. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking it extraordinary. Is, it is ass backwards. And you so this what? man who everyone thinks is a genius reckons mm. that the pyramids were built by aliens. For of course, fucking, of course. For, for reasons. Um, because it only takes millions of years to actually move around the galaxy so you would just turn up and play with rocks and then fuck off again well he's um, just come come off his spacex manned spacex launch coming back safely and you know his tangential but somehow centered involvement in uh, a new era of space flight for humanity so given his which gets me to the next bit yeah it's another thing that he's had nothing to do with of course like Elon Musk, so Jeff Bezos can at least claim to be the evil genius behind his organization, right? Sure. As far as we know, Amazon's success is because of Jeff Bezos's ruthless exploitation of the world around him. Yeah, yeah. Right, whereas Elon Musk's success is based upon the technical genius of other people. Mm. All he managed to do was be a guy with cash in his pocket because his dad was given half an emerald mine yeah. by some weird Italian adventurers in the <laughs> 1950s or something. Yeah, the, the, the Musk family fortune is actually an extremely shady and difficult to... Like, if you were to yeah. of legally trace it, it would be very hard to establish precisely legally where it comes from. Is there yeah, anything more definitely like... Definitely illegal. It's just yeah. to say that being legal or not legal was a very different concept in the mid-century South Africa than it is yeah, yeah. today. <laughs> is, there, is there anything more uh, mid-century, like, uh, adventure novel villainous than a man leaving in a plane to go and sell that plane in Italy and coming back in the plane with half ownership of an emerald mine. Like, yeah. That's, it's it's straight out of The Phantom or something. And especially given, like, the timeline involved, hmm. the Italians who bequeathed him that half of the diamond mine were definitely somehow involved in the fascist administration hmm. of Italy. Like, there's no way... Italian people did not just have 
kind of, you know, access holus bolus to the British Imperial minerals market. Yeah. There was some there was some extremely evil death process involved. Oh, for in sure. Everything that happened there. And uh, not, not that it's too important, but I do want to correct you uh, just because the aesthetics, I think, uh, uh, make more sense. It's not a diamond mine. It's an emerald mine. It is an which emerald is, mine. Which yes. is such a, like, an extra... That's That's also straight out of, like, 50s and 60s adventure shit. It's like, it's never a diamond. It's always a fucking emerald or a ruby or a topaz or something. That's true. It's just so it's a very typical of Elon touch. Musk because he has got to be a little bit different to all the other billionaires. Yeah, yeah. I'm very uh, unique. And- I I only I like <laughs> I like the second most popular precious stone better than the first. Except he also goes on a like massive rant about how emeralds are actually better for industrial use than diamonds because not many people know this, but they're much stronger. Or so yeah, yeah, yeah. Bizarre, I think. I- I have announced that I will be cutting the revolutionary transport tunnels beneath Los Angeles using emerald cutters, not diamond cutters. <laughs> diamond cutters are weak-minded baby bullshit. <laughs> diamond cutters are very much the last century's industrial mineral. Yeah. Um, yeah, of yeah, course he's, he's a fucking doing- idiot. He I mean, literally mm-hmm. has just managed to do this. He did it with Tesla, and he's done it with SpaceX, and he did it with PayPal as well, where mm-hmm. he, he just has some money in his pocket, wanders into somebody's company, which is technically proficient but struggling financially. Yeah. And in exchange for giving them some financial help, he basically ruins the product and makes the launch time take a thousand times longer than it was supposed to. Yeah. And alienates and <laughs> kind of <laughs> then dispatches whoever the original project like founders or leaders were yeah. uh, but then, then uh, all of the high IQ boys are like ah oh, Elon's so amazing we he's, love what he's done he's personally going to get us to space <laughs> like, I can finally live on Mars in my retreat for people with the thousandth percentile iq <laughs> he's like yeah you you fucking show up and you say one little thing and those guys are all over you like i'd like to see you personally engineer an intergalactic spaceship before you can talk it's like <laughs> no dude uh that's yeah the only thing separating elon musk from mad mike the flat earther who killed himself in the yeah. steam-powered spaceship is his father's emerald mine that is the yeah, only yeah, thing you're between those right. two men <laughs> yeah they were doing the same thing mad just mad mike hughes just didn't have the resources that's it <laughs> and he decided to go with steam because it was cheaper and that's what killed him well his shitty parachute killed him uh <laughs> can't believe Mad Mike wasn't all over the logistics. I, I can't believe he's dead. I'm still shocked, to be honest. Um, I, l- I listen, think- I've done a little bit of, like, like conspiracy theory has formed a part of the, the research that I'm doing and, and whatnot. And, like, I feel like I have an okay understanding of its operation among regular people who are, like, powerless and alienated from the, from the levers of power or any sort of democratic or political agency and who who watch actual conspiracies go completely unpunished 
uh, even when they're revealed and stuff, and how that can kind of turn to to conspiracy theory as a as a way of explaining their misery without sort of rupturing the uh, basically pro capitalist propaganda, which has uh, formed part of their like psychological DNA. I understand it, but when you're fucking Elon Musk, what's the incentive? When you're part of the conspiracy, when you're the rich industrialist who's getting endless government kickbacks to murder your workers in factories, why would you then? Uh, I don't know. I, I think just part of it is um, the high IQ boys believe that anybody who's outside of their demographic who has succeeded at something has done mm. so because of like affirmative action or yeah. because of some sort of cultural advantage that they apparently enjoy, right? It's it's really difficult for the high IQ boys to accept that there's nothing that actually special or useful about having a high IQ and that <laughs> multitudes, the overwhelming majority of human beings are capable of achieving impressive things under the right circumstances. Yeah. And that... Um, that you shouldn't hang your you entire to, personality off of fucking tests of extremely limited utility that are primarily helpful in it, determining it, the it, learning ca- capability of apes. Like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, the IQ test, which was to help fucking primary school teachers figure out who was struggling with maths. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, which you, you might argue that the maths tests should have been sufficient for that. But... Um, I think so p- part of it is genuinely just this like this need for achievements by others to be undermined somehow yeah, yeah. to be explained away by like oh well it doesn't count because of whatever 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 I'm still really special I'm still yeah. very unique I'm still very important Yeah I they're a, they're a the norm they can't have my flair of like inherent uh, unreproducible creative genius. And th- no, that's right. On that note, I'm pleased to announce my new strain of wheat, which I've been developing over the last two winters. <laughs> it's true. The Soviet Union, one thing that unites the USSR with the USA, and I suspect we will find, history will show that the same is true of the Chinese Communist Party at the moment, um, mm. is... Once you get like a critical mass of high IQ boys involved in any kind of organization, it's there's no way to save it. Like it's fucked. <laughs> you just ha- you have yeah. to fumigate the house. There's no there's no way you can repair it by like stripping down walls and replacing individual timbers. It has to be just poisoned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what uh. what's wrong with the high IQ boys. Uh, that would be like several lifetimes devoted to. You know um, the the study of like psychological and and psychiatric um, disciplines with, with with a bit of bit of neuroscience, I dare say, thrown in as well. I, I don't have time for for that, but whatever is whatever is afflicting them is something that I want to learn more about when it becomes yeah. an option because <laughs> it's <laughs> it's extremely engaging and interesting to me. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a fascinating fucking field of study i wonder if you could you yeah you could probably get a thesis approved based on just that the high iq boys oh you definitely could you definitely could like how has this this cult of reason and you know 
intellectual, like fetishizing intellectualism and reason. Mm. So very reminiscent of the kind of like the Mussolini type people. Do you remember Mussolini was so desperate to be seen as an intellectual? It was just the most mm. important thing in the world to him. And I, it's yeah. astonishing because it only seems to arise amongst these enormously stupid people. I, yeah. I, I was... Um, so I, one of the things I've been doing is I've been listening to some of the alt-right guys who I sort of used to listen to and then dropped out of. And I've, yeah. I've, I, I, I've, I've remembered why I've... Do you, do you remember when, um, when, when uh, Rollers started doing her transphobic nonsense, um, for instance? And yeah. the internet, obviously, all, these, all of the sort of YouTubers were obliged to give their 20 minutes on it. Yeah, and yeah, our old mate Sargon of Akkad decided oh, that he was going to do a logic attack. Uh, and I've, I've, I've realized who Sargon of Akkad is trying to be, and it's made him even sadder and weirder than he was before. The poor yeah. boy, he, he's trying to be Christopher Hitchens. No. Um, if you listen to the way Sargon talks, which is a very affected way of speaking like this and really <laughs> emphasizing his English man's accent. He's yeah. trying to speak the way Hitchens just happened to speak. Yeah. Um, you know Hitchens wasn't putting it on that much because his brother speaks exactly the same way. Like it's yeah, obviously yeah. just the way they were taught to speak. And Sargon is leaning into aping it. But because of the effort he has to put into mimicking the speech pattern, it doesn't sound like a normal human speaking. It's good yeah. because he can't um, he can't fluctuate properly. He can't intonate yeah, yeah. or enunciate properly because he's every single instance is focused on the way he's talking. Uh, it's astonishing. Um, so that made me laugh because I, I, I can't imagine the level of withering contempt Hitch would have had for him, even even yeah. at his most like politically and, and morally fucked. Um, mm. But of all the people that Sargon decided to jump on, he had a pop at Lindsay Ellis. I don't know if you're familiar with her work. No. But Lindsay Ellis is a YouTuber who does mostly film criticism. Right. Um which is very good at, uh, but she did a, a J.K. Rowling bit because she had uh, fan pressure to respond to it. Sure, because a lot of her fans are very Harry Pottery millennials. Of I suspect. course, of course. Um, so she did a little bit on it, and uh, Sargon devoted a half hour. He didn't go after like anyone else, really. Yeah. For some reason, he picked this. YouTuber whose whole thing was not political analysis but cultural criticism. Sure. And just decided, but then over the course of a half hour uh, program, mm. he did not actually make any points. <laughs> and I went back through, he didn't. He would just, re essentially, what he did was he would repeat what she said with a kind of ironic or sarcastic questioning tone. Yeah. And then never really explain why it was wrong, and mm. uh, <laughs> and and then she so she included a, uh, a a reference to a trans activist mm. um, who had like a specific video discussing gender theory, yeah. and so he he cherry picked a couple of bits of that talk to try mm -hmm. to discredit that, but not addressing the activist, still addressing the cultural critic. Yeah, it was really weird. Like, he wasn't brave enough to go after the actual 
you know, gender identity expert, <laughs> but, but couldn't help but involve them in his takedown. And he did the same thing with a very weird uh, bit on is Harry Potter, sorry, is, is, is Warhammer being destroyed by political correctness? <laughs> <laughs> which he's one of these enormous groups of people who doesn't seem to understand that like <laughs> all of games workshops, original IP was put together with a fantastic sense of political yeah. irony um, yeah. <laughs> and awareness. And um, <laughs> it is actually like, it's Amazing. an inherently political universe. Yeah. <laughs> but the reason that he, is the God Emperor, is the God Emperor, <laughs> whose continued existence uh, depends on being sustained by the, the uh, unbroken chain of human sacrifices, is his character <laughs> being ruined by political cr- critique? <laughs> yeah, is this theo-fascist society being <laughs> somehow undermined? Yeah. It's true. And... Uh, the reason literally, literally xenophobic society. <laughs> literally xenophobic. Like you yeah. can't get more. <laughs> They're obsessed. They are also literally obsessed with genetic purity. If yeah. you'll recall, yep. Um, it's a fantastic. It's a fa- it's such a fantastic thing to not be aware of. <laughs> <laughs> I don't That's really good. see how you could, because uh, the, the only alternative is that you're taking it at face value. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, which, like, oh, cool! Just <laughs> reading some fucking. Oh my god! I mean, uh, the, the which makes me hasn't... think that is is Games Workshop potentially accidentally responsible for the rise of the alt right because there was just this whole generation of like nerd idiots who didn't realize <laughs> Warhammer was a satire and mm. thought that the Empire were goodies and that they have therefore been primed to accept Milo Yiannopoulos <laughs> yeah, and Donald yeah. Trump. <laughs> I mean, maybe I don't think that they've been particularly interested in emphasizing the satirical aspects of it lately. They haven't been for a while, but this is, you know, these guys, the formative years of a lot of these alt writers were before Games Workshop um, floated on the stock exchange and kind of ruined itself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Plenty of them would have been around for the the substantial fluff era where it was, you know, a, a, a rollicking storytelling environment. Yeah. I guess they're just morons, maybe. I guess they are. I don't know. It was interesting. But again, like, during this critique of political correctness from the Games Workshop, he didn't really say anything. He was just talking about how if he found, like, a group of fascists who were involved in the Warhammer community, he wouldn't do anything about it. <laughs> Which was literally, like, cool. that was his... It was, it was my response. It was like, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, interesting well, and informative. Which... Brings out like it, it brings up. He's a really good in and of himself, a wonderful satire of like classical liberal conservatives. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is they literally view any kind of political action or commitment as a form of hypocrisy. Yeah. Yep. Um, any attempt to engage with differing political opinions as if they exist is undermining your own position, according to their 
bizarre view of like moral relativism. It's it's oh, look, it's incredible. <laughs> of course, because they're fucking idiots. Uh, I mean, this this plays into the. I, you might recall I've talked a couple of times about the sort of falling out I had with a friend who's gone down the the billionaire worship and particularly Jordan Peterson fascination. I had a big blow up <laughs> with him about it, <clears throat> and he was like. I'll be out of hospital soon, boys. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've just got to pick these benzos. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the the imp- imposition of order, represented by classical Greek culture, and the feminine dragon of chaos, represented by my uh, benzodiazepine uh, <laughs> withdrawal coma. Yeah, yeah. So this guy was was I was he posted some shit about Jordan Peterson and I I, I was just like uh, uh, he accused me of being a bad friend in the course of this uh, uh, conversation, but I don't think he even realised that. Of um, course he did. That he's learned to he's learning to be a grown up, and that's what you do when yeah, you're an yeah, adult. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but which is just to just to say that I don't think he's been following what I've been doing at all, or he might have realised that I'm actually, you know, <laughs> reading reading academic texts that uh that Jordan Peterson critiques and I'm not saying that's of any particular value to society or anything but just I happen to know that Jordan Peterson doesn't read the fucking books because I have read them and they don't say what Jordan Peterson says that they say and that's what I'm pointing out to this guy I'm like look I'm just saying I know this field Jordan Peterson clearly doesn't. And he's like, oh, but the post-modernists literally want to deconstruct society, Western society, if you if you read what they say. And I was like, well, again, I've read it. Uh, uh, you know, that's not what they're saying. If you're talking about deconstruction, that's, this is what that is or whatever. And I tried to engage him, you know. Deconstruction normally. in this context is just a fancy way of saying reevaluate. We'll that's literally a, that's all a, that it means. It just means like we're going to examine this as if with fresh eyes and see if it's actually good yeah, or what well, it actually means. Well, it's nothing a, to be scared of. It's nothing. There's a specific a specific mechanism that Derrida uses where he breaks apart sort of etymology and double meanings and stuff like that, and we call it deconstruction. Yeah, and it's about reevaluating assumed knowledge. You're right. So I'm trying to tell him this shit, and he's like, "Oh, I don't really like. I find academic." texts boring i'm going to be honest with you so i haven't read them and so my point is like then shut the fuck up shut the fuck up about academic texts where did you get this fucking confidence from as if you know what you're talking about did this charlatan give you the confidence because he told you that cleaning your room made you uh, a hero of the second world war is that what happened yeah my mechanic has to block out the entire day when I go in for a service because I just debate him on every single point. Yeah, of- yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, yeah. Why do I need spark plugs? Explain that to me. Why isn't it better? He's a very patient man. Yeah. So it's- like I've, I've seen a five-minute YouTube tutorial on tuning an engine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I played my summer car. That was done by an unemployed greengrocer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he never showed any footage of turning the car back on. Um, <laughs> crucially. Uh, I think it might actually have been a horse that he was working on. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's hard to tell because his camera work is dog shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, this is the this is the point. It's what Sargon's doing, what my old friend did, where it's like you speak on massive confidence with something that you know nothing about and end up saying, like, is political correctness ruining Games Workshop? Yeah. <laughs> 
Can't we go back to a time when Judge Dredd was just about people being cool and not about politics? (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) This inherently political thing, which also has marginal utility as a relatively boring game, is um, (laughs) destroyed (laughs) by the... If anything, it's actually like, as Games Workshop has become less politically aware and developed... Or rather, it's it the the sense of humour that came with that has regressed. Well, yeah, it's a lack and of leftism that's ruined it enormously. Yeah, it was built off the back of admittedly fairly superficial leftist fucking creativity. So, what's <laughs> very superficial? It's it's but but still leftist. It's like that. That's what was fucking, or maybe centrist because I guess the Imperial Guard are kind of like Soviet. Well, yes and no. I mean, I, I think um, that that came in later. But I think the the mindset behind the Imperial Guard, the aesthetics were kind of Red Army. Yeah. But it was very much <clears throat> a response to the First World War, the Imperial Guard, I believe. Yeah. Well, it, the I idea it of the human wave attacks and yeah. the kind of idle officer class and all that sort of thing. Yeah, and they had those Vietnam guys as well. What were they called? Like the. K- the Katachan. Katachan, yeah. Yeah, based on um, Rambo. Yeah. So if anything, drawing quite a fine point between the Red Army commissars who wouldn't let their soldiers retreat and the US's tendency to, to throw young men into the psychological and physical uh, meat grinder of Vietnam. We're back to their being good. All right. <laughs> <clears throat> now... We had an actual topic to discuss, though, didn't we, before we went home today? Uh, very briefly. Because uh, uh, I don't think we've left an enormous amount of time for it. Sorry, listeners. We, we're we a bit out of practice now. Yeah. Aren't we? Uh, I would like to, to do a, an overall... I said this last time, and it's been, like, more than a month. I've had ample time to prepare. I just haven't. Uh, a, a, a sort of... Uh, history of what musk has been doing since the start of this pandemic because like each individual thing is worth talking about but i also think there's uh, a value that emerges from aggregating everything and and just watching this character develop especially alongside his long-suffering uh spouse uh but uh, maybe i'll figure that out for next time for now i want to talk about uh, the I won't have Grimes be referred to as long suffering. Goodness me, the the net impact of both of them is still um, very strongly in their favour. <laughs> She's doing all right. So I want to talk about the the house tour of what what are their fucking names? Uh, Ariti and Peter. Ariti and Panagiotis. Yes, these are the very important entrepreneurs who make sure that the aged care system works efficiently. Uh, yeah, so they're... they're uh, I'm just trying to figure out there. Ariti and Peter Avanidis, who uh, have a, a big stake in the Ellis... Uh, Ellis what? Epping Gardens aged care facility, which was recently taken over by... Uh, <laughs> 
You didn't need government? a scandal, did you? It, it, it just sounds fucking horrendous as soon as it leaves your mouth. <clears throat> I wonder what the Epping Gardens aged care facility is like. I bet it's amazing. <laughs> I bet everyone yeah. there has a great time all the time. I bet everyone. Yeah, yeah. It's probably good. Uh, There's never anything suspicious about the inclusion of the word gardens in a fucking Australian real estate or business context. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So uh, as as we uh, discussed prior to recording, we, of course, are very grateful to be living in a world uh, where the the COVID-19 vaccine was developed very quickly and, and we eradicated it. And uh, and now we live in a COVID-free world, which is why we haven't been talking about it. Uh, Thank God for the private pharmaceutical sector being so efficient. They really here. saved our bacon this time. They were on it. <clears throat> you know, they've, they've been going into the wilderness and mm. um, collecting samples uh, of wild viruses mm. so that they could stay a step ahead mm-hmm. of the pandemics, as would be a sensible thing to do. Yeah, uh, and we didn't have anything to worry about because they were ready. Yes, uh, I've slightly forgotten the structure of the bit that I was because setting up. Uh, but all uh, lives matter, Kieran. All lives the pharmaceutical do matter. People know that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I forget what what I was actually setting up with that 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 gimmick. But let's let's just pretend that uh, I'm saying uh, so. It's even more of a shock that Epping Gardens was hit by a fresh outbreak. Anyway, 123 people tested positive for whatever our gimmicky stand-in for coronavirus is there. There was a huge uh, scandal there. The government took over. The, the, the uh, residents were found, like, unwashed and uh, not adequately cared for. Really, really uh, horrific. Not again, Kieran. Goodness, this is so <clears throat> unfortunate. I, I, I don't understand how it keeps happening. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, a mystery, but, like, really horrific stuff, uh, which I personally was not surprised about at all. Anyway, it just so happens that back in March, uh, Anne-Marie Keeley, writing for uh, Vogue Living, uh, did a tour of the Melbourne mansion with Gucci in almost every room, which owned by Aridi and Panagiotis, uh, no last name, who super sleuths have pointed out to be Aridi and Peter, uh, <laughs> who have a stake, a controlling stake in the Epping Gardens. Uh, Nothing says class like buying what you're told to. <laughs> mm, mm. Gucci in every room, I tell you. Yeah. Uh, so wonderful. It's maybe ill-advised uh, to to do uh, uh, a story that depends so heavily on uh, visuals for uh, for a podcast. So I'm... I encourage the listener to simply go to https colon forward. Uh, I can't even get through a, a fraction of that bit. Go look up the the uh, the article about this mansion because it's just got picture after picture of the most grotesque maximalist baroque bullshit you've ever fucking seen uh a fun game to play is spot the like era from which things have been drawn yeah a totally tasteless fucking collision (laughs) 
<laughs> it's literally, isn't it? Just a smashing together of aesthetics. Um, but you all, you will be um, pleasantly surprised as well, listener, that even though you know this is a Gucci-filled mansion belonging mm. to corrupt, epping idiots, yeah, it is even better than you imagine. Yes. Would you care to expound on that? Because I don't know what that's setting up. Well, it's perfectly simple, Kieran. Mm. We've been told that this mansion belongs to corrupt business people from Epping. Mm. We've been told that it has Gucci in every room. Yeah. And you and I have revealed that it's an absolute kaleidoscope of horrific aesthetic clashes uh-huh. and, and, and smashes. Mm. And yet, none of that will prepare the listener for when they become a viewer. Oh yeah. And go and look at the Oh and yeah. go and look. You have to at look at the, it. It's the not extra- <laughs> We're not doing Broad this is Eric. like straight off the set of a well, fucking Sophia Coppola movie. We haven't spoiled anything. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no. A hundred percent. This this is cinematic in its in its in its violence against taste and, and the seating alone is hilarious without looking at anything other than the seating arrangement. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is why is it that in expensive homes you suddenly get a bunch of seats that are just pointing at nothing? <laughs> Where's the room with the fucking TV and the couch? Like, why is it that becoming rich suddenly means you have to live less comfortably? Because I think so. In the past, right in the in in olden times, hmm. it was very common for rich people to you would more or less constantly have a guest of some sort. You needed chairs. Yeah. And that just that's just the aesthetic now, because the sorts of people who want to be rich are not imaginative people, are they? So mm. they literally just go to the nineteenth century and they're like, "Well, that's sort of how houses looked then." Yeah, I'll just do that. Yeah, yeah. They have a they have a custom bathtub that's cut from a single giant slab of black marble, which is horrible. They've got a... It's fucking gigantic. It's got columns and stuff. What I really want to draw attention to, because I think the author of this article, the writer, is, while as in their capacity as a writer for Vogue Living, essentially a bourgeois trader, uh, nevertheless is really stretching herself to subtly code in the message... Uh, to to her readers of how disgusting these people in this house are. It's fucking... There's not a... There's not a... The runner going up the main staircase yeah. is black and white and fucking purple. Mm-hmm. It's appalling. Oh, it's shit. The... That also needs to be emphasised. It's, it's, it's shit as well as expensive and gross. Yeah. But listen, listen to this fucking writing... Classicism is visibly probed through every peak period of the ism, from a facade defined by the giant Doric order to a foyer, and I choose that pronunciation uh, intentionally, (laughs) fizzing with floral scroll mouldings in French Renaissance style to an outer garden given all the manicured precision of Petit Trianon by landscape architect Jack Merlot. Petit Trianon, of course, being the place that fucking Marie Antoinette was driven out of by the... uh, by the proletariat who then 
Is that right? Um, or I didn't by, know the, that. By, the, <laughs> by the people in the French Revolution, which was then ransacked and auctioned off to raise funds for public good. Uh, oh, that's wonderful. The continuum of restrained historicism, restrained historicism, is overlaid with reflections of the current zeitgeist. Imagine director Wes Anderson doing a remake of Clash of the Titans and you have its quirky dynamism, one that distills in the foyer-sided bust of Sophocles, whose blindfolding gives weight to his words. Every man can see things far off, but is blind to what is near. Which is a very complex way of saying it looks like the set from Absolutely Fabulous. Yeah, and a complex way of saying that these people are so <laughs> deep in the fucking mythology of their disgusting fucking edifice that even they could not possibly uh, recognize it. This is exactly where Edwina Monsoon would live. She would love it. Mm. Oh, my God. There's a bit where the, the writer says... Uh, <laughs> This is grand writ large with interlinking G's across a mansion made for modern day Greek gods. On cue, Aphrodite, who announces her mortal self as a Rati, alights from her first floor stratosphere to welcome all to her minor Mount Olympus. It's like I don't know, I can't I can't tell for sure, but I think there's something admirable about Anne Marie Keeley channeling Ignatius J. Riley in a different mode to kind of like <laughs> to subtly fucking critique these people, but that might be too kind to her. I think the can Petty talk- Trianon reference is what seals it though for can me. We, can we talk about the enormously depressing study of isolation that is picture seven of <laughs> in her dressing room oh, yeah. with <laughs> Gucci? <laughs> it's very bleak, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> it is a, it is like it really could you could capture it before turning the gun on herself yeah yeah 100 <laughs> percent. it's hitler in the bunker basically listener she sits on a one of those uncomfortable but expensive looking couches that looks like the mouth of a cartoon fish uh in front of a display cabinet full of handbags next to a mannequin wearing one expensive dress while she wears another expensive dress and boots are kind of very the carefully boots have Chinese kind of Chinese oh, yes. um, dragons on them. Yep. Cowboy and the dress is a uh, peacock inspired, I believe. Yep. Yeah. There's a, there's a blue checkered blazer hanging from one of the doors and a Riti is looking into the middle distance with all the winsome longing of, uh, a wistful longing, sorry. But of the somebody middle who... distance only goes as far as the nearest wall. So yeah. she's... <laughs> it's a harrowing picture. Yeah. There are, there are shoes scattered across the ground that definitely cost more than my annual income. And it looks like she's just the most godforsaken person in the world. It's horrible. Yeah, yeah. It's really like money can't buy you happiness shit for sure. Which the is real only true of the rich. Story is the photographer on this um, on this shoot is a fucking wizard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they know what they're doing. 
I'd oh, like yeah. to I'd like to draw your attention to uh, perhaps appropriately somehow in some sort of uh, adjacent suggestion uh, picture nine out of eleven or as it's transcribed on the article nine eleven. Uh, this this is a painting by uh, the the art collective AES plus F, which is a Russian art collective uh, who are mainly concerned with uh, satirizing and critiquing uh, the Russian oligarchy. Apparently, I can see that because it looks like Hieronymus Bosch has painted a pool party. Uh huh. Yep. Uh, it's called the golden boat or something. What is it? Uh, arrival of the golden boat by AES plus F. And it's just a bunch of, uh, yeah, it's very decadent, very boshy kind of, uh, stuff. Yeah. It's just elites from various cultures lounging about like pricks, basically. Hmm. Uh, yeah, AES plus it, F it, creates... It's, it's been hung mm. over a statuette of a tornado? Uh, yeah, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't work that one out. It's, it's, it's like a, a bronze coil kind of construction, which looks like a tornado. I think it's which, a Again, to just a, a very a, weird fucking thing to have in your house as a... As a it gets weirder because it's on a it's on a marble surface, yep. right? And next to it is a sort of um, a sculpture, which mm-hmm. is a marble disc, yes, contained resting on a marble foot, which yep. is on top of the marble bench. Yeah, yeah, it's all. That's <laughs> a lot of marble. There's a marble runner. It looks like it around looks like the bottom of the it wall. looks like it, the floor is marble. The, the level of marble is, um, frankly, Nero and Caligula would be overwhelmed by the amount of marble that's going on here. It's <laughs> fucking ridiculous. It's fucking yeah. <laughs> it's the most excessive marble I've ever seen. It looks so bad. I cannot imagine. The one that, that really bums me out and the one that actually got me thinking is photo 5 of 11. Uh, photo 5. Which has the dog in it. The oh, dog the lonely dog, yeah, yeah. Sitting in the middle of a cavernous dining area on a cold stone floor. Again, also just looking into the middle distance. Yeah, it's a really good accompaniment to um, Seven, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, maybe the photographer knew what they were doing because you want a photo of the dog in the space, you probably take a lot of frames because they're unpredictable animals. And you pick the one where it looks just completely fucking bereft and totally cut off from from the very animal nature, which makes dogs such attractive creatures to begin with. It looks like Meg Ryan at the start of scene three. Sorry, act three of uh, of all of her films. Yeah, the, I I saw it's, this. It's, it's the weight of the world has just hit Meg Ryan, but in dog form. I saw this fucking photo, Darcy, and I got so bummed out think, thinking about what it must be like to be that dog with no self-awareness or awareness of, of different structures or whatever and just living your life in this giant hollowed-out stone with, with furniture that you're not allowed to sit on because you get sprayed from a crystal fucking spray bottle that costs $17,000. <laughs> this house makes me think of Arnor Londo in 
um, the original Dark Souls. Yeah, a hundred percent. Before the um, the illusion is shattered. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is the the empire at the absolute height of its of its arc, just as it tips over the point into decline. Like <clears throat> comparing it to to Petitria, uh, Trianon is is exactly the right. Uh, image because you can see you can see if this were a, a set in a film which it does look like in which the article points out you can see the uh the peasantry like f- f- uh gushing in like a flood water into all of these rooms and just pulling it apart and reducing it yes. to dust uh, i should say as well when kieran was talking about a um <laughs> bath tub cut from a single piece of black marble. <clears throat> he wasn't like just, you know, improvising. Uh, there is one of those in this house. Yeah. At, at image 10. And it's also in a room that is completely made of marble. Yeah. Apart from a chair, which <laughs> <laughs> is fluffy. Yeah. In the least suitable room of the house. <laughs> for, a fl- for a fluffy <laughs> chair. One of the walls is a mirror, just so that it looks like there's twice as much marble in the room as there actually is. But it's is. okay, it's because it's a mirror that's in three tones, just in case you yeah, were worried that yeah. it's going to be also be awful. <laughs> <laughs> With a chandelier hanging directly over the bath, which is... Yeah, only over the bath. A really small chandelier as well. Yeah. It's, well, it's literally sort of- like a... As if there's a pervert that's been included in <laughs> its sculptural form. <laughs> it's so fucking bizarre. Always alone, but always being watched by a creep is one of the vibes from this house. It's astonishing. It really is. And but if- we don't just hate this woman because she's uh, part of uh, a vulgar aesthetic movement. That no, would be petty, no, no, no. All of, this, all of this is only to illustrate the absolute fucking disconnected contempt that these people have for humanity in their role as owner, excuse me, owner administrators of a privatized aged care facility uh, where I think it was, was theirs where the authorities who took over said that they expected that most of the residents would have died within 48 hours. If, uh, if the government hadn't stepped in, that may very sobering. well have been the case. Um, I wouldn't be enormously surprised. If it wasn't their facility, it was a facility very much like theirs, because, of course, a number of privatised aged care facilities have been taken over by the government uh, recently. And, yeah, running running for-profit, or even privatised not-for-profit, uh, aged care and disability care facilities uh, is like completely antithetical to to the idea of good care right like you can't yes, have you can't have somebody's physical well-being tied in an inverse way to the profits of a private owner it's a fucking it's a terrible way to 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 run a society and what ends up happening is that they take all of that money which is taxpayer money anyway in a lot of cases, or a huge amount of it is taxpayer money anyway, and then siphon off enough of it to build themselves a fucking temple, a temple to Moloch that they can live in. Uh, 
that taxpayer money which was meant to be going towards the care of the elderly and infirm. It's like it's 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 hard to overstate how how uh, furious it makes me. Really, a, a temple for Moloch is all that um, the Gucci Mansion was missing. Yeah, a little shrine <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. Just, it would still, well, it can't be too little because you need to be able to fit the child sacrifices. Into oh, of it. course, yeah. And they could have gotten away with it, the designers as well, if they're like, "Oh, yeah, this is uh, just like an old Hebrew god. It's very in right now, you know." <laughs> it's an old Hebrew pizza oven. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, Moloch. You know, Ginsburg wrote about it. It's it's very now. It's very contemporary. <laughs> Moloch is Yiddish. It's what you say after you sneeze. Fuck, man. Yeah. Uh, it's bleak. But anyway, I mean, that's it. That's the story. Look, it's, the private health sector has been a fucking disaster right throughout this um, analog for COVID. Yes. You know, the <clears throat> fact that in America at the moment, while we're speaking, there are still hospitals that are closing down because mm-hmm. people are cancelling their elective surgery. Yeah. Yeah. It's... And, and American hospitals cannot survive without elective surgery, mm. paying for um, the kind of, you know, the, the, the massive expense required in, like, just caring for the actually sick yeah. in a country where medicine has been priced out of any reasonable degree of, um, of, 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 of availability. Yeah. And yeah. we are heading in that direction. And this is... Well, this, proof that. this stupid fucking idea that you can organize every single element of, of human life around this, this ever falling forward, perpetual growth of profits. It's like somebody watching the movie Speed and just being surprised by the notion that they should have to or want to get off the bus at all. Just be like, no, just accelerate. Just keep accelerating endlessly and drive at top speed for the rest of your life in the assumption that nothing will ever happen to you. It's so stupid and so short-sighted that, like, I'm not surprised that it's happening, but it's... And I don't know how... I'm not surprised. I'm surprised it's not worse. And I, 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 I am afraid that as this crisis goes on, and as more news of the systemic failings reach the public, yeah. that it will turn out that it has been. I think it will, because it, it wasn't even this bad until the government took over these facilities and saw what conditions that the, these uh, residents were being kept in. And of course, if you ask nurses, many of whom do uh, sort of training in aged care facilities, if you ask aged care workers, if you ask uh, disability uh, care workers with enough sort of experience across different facilities, all of them will say, yeah, it's fucked up, but nobody listens to them. So in in the broad public uh, consciousness, this is seen as some like small new eruption of ghastliness. And, and there's that, uh, that vibe of like, oh, maybe we can just limit it to this and then it's horrific, but, you know, we can change things up or whatever, but no, this is just an extension of what's already been happening, and the only difference is discovery, not happening. So, of course, there's other stuff like this happening. Private 
uh, aged care facilities everywhere will be scam- uh, scampering to cover up their tracks right now. I guarantee you, because I've seen that sort of shit happen from the fucking inside. Well, they don't need to worry too much while the Liberal Party are in power, though. No. Um, they don't need to worry enormously. I don't think they, they are need worried. need to worry a little bit more. No. No, I suppose they're not. I think there might be a tacit acknowledgement in the construction of this fucking mansion that they understand that at some point they need to be worried about somebody tearing their head off their shoulders with their bare hands like a fucking moist bread roll. I think they understand that that is their eventual fate on some, like, reptilian level. But consciously, I'm sure that they're just pleased as punch. Yeah, I suspect you're probably right, unfortunately. That's a... It's a sorry thing to contemplate, isn't it? Well, yeah. It's a good tone to leave on. I love it. I love it that we somehow, more often than not, manage to bring things into the station with a hard turn into just genuine despair. (laughs) It's what we promise. It's what we promise, Jim. Once the hollow laughter has faded, we are left with the knowledge that everything is the end is ending everything is ending and it's not not going to end well yeah 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 you're right but then i suppose it never was going to end well some things do Mm. but usually only things have been designed to end yeah Um, anything that hasn't tends to just uh go down quite painfully and bloodily like Mm. a poo from a cancerous bum Yes, and who among us cannot relate to the feeling of a cancerous bum and the bloody poo therein? It's the future, Karen. Yeah. If you want to see, if you want to picture the future, imagine a cancerous bum shitting on your face forever. Blood, shit, and tears. Yeah. All right. Uh, Well, let's, let's, let's finish it up. You can email us. At weaknessforbleakness at gmail.com. One word, no, no trick tricks with the, with the spelling. spelling. One word, no tricks with the spelling. Yeah. Just one word. Weaknessforbleakness at gmail.com. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, I have a new EP out under the Leonardo's Robot Monica. It's an explicitly political record, Darcy. It's, uh, as long as it doesn't get ruined by politics. Uh, yeah, well, no. <laughs> By political correctness, sorry. Sorry, it can be, the politics yeah, are yeah. fine, as long as they're not correct politics. They can only yeah. be wrong politics. Politically incorrect politics the only, are good. The yeah. only politics I like are, are politics yeah. that are wrong. I'm, I'm happy <laughs> to say that in public. <laughs> and not only say that, but in fact base my entire public persona on that principle. <laughs> Whilst I tr- do my very best to make people think that I'm the second Christopher Hitchens. <laughs> uh, Even though I immediately feel ill after my first half of whiskey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Insist on it. Insist on trying it, still. Yeah. Never got a taste for it. Um <laughs> Haven't had uh, a hydrating beverage in seven years. <laughs> uh, I don't think that they would call it Mountain Dew Baja Blast if it wasn't hydrating, Darcy. <laughs> is Baja Blast Mountain Dew? I don't even. I don't know American drinks, and I know that Saga is not American, but 
He's uh, I, he might drink Tizer. He's English. He might drink Tizer. <clears throat> yeah, Tizer. And I'm pleased to report that Baja Blast is Mountain Dew. I got it correct. Uh, is that right? Yes. Baja Blast's a much better name than Mountain Dew. Yeah, you should call it Baja Blast. Well, it's a type it's of mountain. mountain. It's a type of Mountain Dew. It's oh, is it Mountain, mountain Dew Baja Dew Blast? Means whiskey. So I was always like surprised Does- and bothered that it was also a lemon flavored soft drink or lime flavored. What flavor is Mountain Dew? I think like Bin- citrus. I think they call it citrus. Misc citrus. Yeah, yeah. The acidic fruits. Um, we got to we, we we keep interrupting ourselves. Uh. I have a new EP out. It's called The Lucky Country. You can listen to it at leonardosrobot.bandcamp.com or on Spotify. I will throw one of the tracks at the end of this episode. Excellent. Uh, do you well, have that's anything something for to... Us to look forward to? Yeah. Um, do I feel... okay, uh, try to hold off again on any criminal activity for a few years. I am still only partway through my degree. Yes. All right. Uh, but so no are... fighting the police yet until I'm robed up and ready to defend you. Yeah. On the other hand, if you want to sort of get your appeals process started now, then Darcy might be just about might done be ready in time, time for you comes to go before the match. Yeah, yeah. it's true. So it's plan, true. plan. We're not saying don't don't commit crimes now as a blanket statement. We're saying have some planning and intentionality, understanding that. Darcy may may take a few years yet to ride in there. Uh, in the intervening years, before Darcy tells me to delete them all, you can listen to the, this podcast. Ooh. All right, fuck it. Let's uh, is is that it? Let's enjoy this uh, fresh track that's dropping from Leonardo's hip robot machine. Oh, already dropped. It's been out for like nearly a month now. For a couple of weeks. I'm just trying to get people excited for you, Kieran. God knows I'd have thought you could have used the help. Thank you. It's all right. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for that. No doubt, genuine. Please buy his fucking thing or I won't hear the end of it. All right. Thank you, listener, for your attention and for your future purchase of this record. Uh later and remember it's not a room unless it's a marble room yeah <laughs> with a, <laughs> a lonely psychopath staring at the wall. <laughs> uh, all right goodbye goodbye i saw the headlines in the herald sun Rowan Dean did a big report on Sky Farewell to the quintessential cheeky bastard Farley, sweet laughing Jack See the troop of the mournful half-mast head Wilting lilies on a dusty track Old mate fell out the back of the house He built on stilts of ancient bone No more eyes, smiles and comb and cunning And no more homespun tough they're shaking in their Reggie Williams, now the change is coming And it couldn't come quick enough So the larrikin is dead, good riddance, fuck it Maybe we'll get some peace, now it's kicked the bucket I'll sing the bastard down oh, You won't be missed
Every ship for planes, Jerry Harvey wanna be Every HR rap sheet, motherfucker Every wage thief, piece of shit Every thin skin, skill shy, blood sucker Every humorless bully in the pit Well, old man's a fucking spit Hasn't at the thought that the rest of us Might just be sick of him How's a man supposed to get the loss he's so in the world so politically correct It's the only way of life he's ever known To bad suck shit, get wrecked Let's be done with this.